0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It is a good morning. I don't know about y'all, but it's still a good morning. It doesn't matter what y'all think. It's a good morning. Today is uh, the morning of Sunday, March the 18th. And I am speaking today. I'll be sharing today. Brother Lumen's in a, at a meeting in uh, Texas. This weekend? Garland. Garland, Garland, Texas. So, I'm up to speak, and uh, what was I going to say? Is that all on the announcements? Yeah. Oh. Sorry. And I will raise my volume if my lungs permit. (laughs) So, you'll pray for my lungs. So, (laughs) alrighty. There you go. <clears throat> well, I, uh, I just had a couple of things to share this morning, and uh, excuse me. Not quite sure where to start, but there's been just a few things on my heart of the Lord. One has been. El Shaddai, and uh, the other has been the story of Elijah and Elisha, where Elijah is taken up. And when I first came across the, the term El Shaddai was, is in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, that's actually the first mention of the term El Shaddai. And when I read it, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind, I don't know about you, but to my mind is El Shaddai, El Shaddai. I know I'd mispronounce the words, but uh, it's it's so much greater than that. Because the Lord is so much greater than, than that. And little by little I'm I'm coming to at least see that in the testimony. And when, when we think of the, the term El Shaddai, we usually think of the song, like I mentioned, but we, we don't think of what governed the patriarchs, what governed the apostles. We don't think of that. When we, when we read or hear the name, or hear the name El Shaddai, we do not think of not I but Christ. And yet, that is exactly what it is at the core. Jesus himself, in in trying to declare this from the very beginning, with the rich young ruler coming to him and saying, what must I do to have eternal life? And so Jesus presents to him the law the law that is purposed to bring unto the person of Christ himself and the rich young ruler not submitted to the purpose for which god gave the law says i've done all that and so the response of the lord is okay well since you like do basically since you like doing Why don't you do this? And what the law was intended to do, Jesus himself brought this person to in his heart, where the person finally confessed, I cannot do that. And if he didn't confess it verbally, he confessed it with his heart, because he went away sad. And then so the disciples seeing this, in in my mind, I, I thought, well, I mean, because they pipe up. Well, if he can't be saved, who then can be saved? I mean, if he has, if he can't do it, we all have no hope. Exactly where the law is intended to bring each and every one of us. There is no hope in us. There is no hope in man. Who then can be saved? Who then can come to this great eternal purpose for which God created our soul? And then the Lord's response is, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. El Shaddai. Not man, but God. And we... We... uh, Oh, Janie, I've got a cough drop if you want one. she got a cough drop too. (laughs) We we read that and we just take it and, and just kind of overlook it or just run by it. And yet that is at the core of everything concerning the eternal, of everything concerning God, of everything concerning salvation, of everything concerning... God. It will always be with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. The <clears throat> excuse me, One of the things that I was thinking about also I actually didn't share this during last year's conference, but I saw the diagrams because I was thinking about it and I thought, wow, I've got this jotted down somewhere. There's in, in the Scriptures, when approaching the Scriptures, there's, there's usually a, a couple of ways we, we approach them. And I'll give you God's intention in a second. But our heart can be directed to that which is not Christ. And let me just clarify that. Our heart is directed unto that which is not Christ. It is. Jesus said this, and he didn't say it like that was then, but later on it'll be different. No. He 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 just made he just made a truthful statement. He said, "No man can come to me except the Father draw him." That is a true statement throughout eternity. No man can come to me except the Father draw him. No man can come to me for new birth, and no man can come to me for the knowledge of new birth, except the Father draw him. See, and we, as as believers, us who are born again because of the mercy of God, a miracle of God, El Shaddai, who has done what only God himself can do, has birthed us, of the incorruptible seed who is Christ Himself, something that we could never have done. I mean, the first thing that came into my mind, I don't know about you guys, the first thing that came into my mind when I was born again was, why didn't I do this before? Well, I couldn't have. I couldn't have. See, before I came to a message, I I came to a teaching, I came to an altar invitation, I came to a raising of of the hand and a confession of of asking forgiveness of my sins and all this. I came to all that. And see, I'm not downing that. God can use that. He can actually use that in preparation of our heart. And He can actually bring us unto new birth through that. But no man can come unto the person of Christ except God the Father draw him. That stands throughout all time because it is eternal, El Shaddai. If God doesn't do it, it is not done. And so now, being born again, well, there's this love for God that was not there before, ever before. And John, he even says it, we love Him because He first loved us. had God not taken the initiative, there would be nothing in man to respond. Nothing. It takes a miracle, a miracle of God, for anything of eternal weight, of eternal value, of eternal substance to take place. So, having been born again, by the tender mercy and ever abounding grace of God. The first thing we are doing is considering ourselves, because that's what we do. We consider ourselves. I mean, for everything we consider ourselves. As as I stated, except God turn our heart unto Christ, His Son, our heart is turned unto ourselves. See, I used to think for a really long time that my heart was turned unto Christ, and every so often something will grab the attention of my heart and just. Whoa, drive me away. No, that's not how it is. That is saying that I have power. That is saying that I have ability. That's not how it is. No. We begin with our heart turned unto something less. Drawn unto something less. God takes the initiative. Does what no man can do. Directs the heart unto a person unto Christ himself. And then by what our heart is submitted to, turned into something less. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. It could, I mean, it, normally in the, in, the, in the Christian church world of today, they would say, oh, you need to leave. And then they, they give this list of these things. Sins, drinking, smoking, all this stuff. Cussing, whatever. And we say, okay, I'll leave that. And I'll come to this. Hey, maybe I'll pray more. Maybe I'll read my Bible more. Maybe I'll go to a Bible study. And please listen, I'm not downing these things. But in doing those things, your heart has not turned to the Lord. Now, the Lord may use that by His Spirit to prepare the ground of your heart so that it may turn unto Him. But by doing those things, your heart has not turned to the Lord. Because Doing those things is you doing. Now, I will say this. The Lord does direct the heart to pick up a Bible because the Bible is what God, the Scriptures, is what God has given as the testimony of Jesus Christ. And that testimony is designed of God to bring unto the person of Christ. So God, if you are Having a desire to read the Scripture more, it's not your desire. You cannot boast in that. You cannot take credit for that. That's God. That is El Shaddai. Because what we do, what man does, what Christians do, what all humanity does, is basically this. We all, like sheep, have gone our own way. That's what we do. That's what we do. What he does, he gathers. He draws. He leads. He brings unto a person. The Lord is not a, a, a vengeful God. He's, he's not out to get us. Well, he is out to get us, but not the way we think. <laughs> we think he's like the big bad boogeyman. You know, like a like an abusive parent, or the, flies off the handle and ready to just thrash at us away. You know, thrash away at us. I was this morning. I was thinking my, my dog it's of all, of all things. Um, I was looking for my belt, and I got my belt, and I grabbed my belt, and I was kind of swatting her behind and say, take that, Cedar, take that. And she was she was wagging her nub. You know, she doesn't have a tail. She's got a nub. She was wagging her nub. She thought it was great. I thought it was great. And then I thought, my gosh, she has no concept of what a belt represents. All she has is her idea of my relationship with her. That's all she knows. That's all she knows. She knows my relationship with her. She knows my care for her. See, growing up when I was a kid, if I ever saw my mom's belt... I was running. One time I ran and climbed up to the roof of my grandmother's house where my mom could not get me. And all I heard was, if you don't come down now, it's going to be worse when you do. So me, being the smart person I am, ran down when she wasn't looking and ran into the safety and security of my grandmother's room. Where my grandmother, who had a higher authority, stepped in and said, You'll not touch my grandson. See, that's just an example. God is greater than that example. You see, I fled for refuge. I fled to a person who I knew was not out to get me, but to protect me. This is our God. This is our El Shaddai. This is the one who draws because we cannot come on our own ability. I remember during the conference last year, wow, it's almost been a year now. Yeah, just about a year. Julie had mentioned with me, because I shared on it, Julie had mentioned, you know, where where Jesus said, no man can come to me except except the Father draw him? It means to drag him. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's because we're kicking and screaming. Well, maybe we are kicking and screaming because our heart is set on something less than a person. Our heart is set on something less than Jesus Himself. But maybe it's because we haven't had an encounter with Him. Or maybe it's because we've forgot what it is like to be in the presence of a person, maybe that just turned into an experience. Maybe that just turned into, oh, that was that was when I was first born again. But now, now, see, now I'm growing up. I'm I'm learning more about Jesus. I'm studying the scriptures more. I'm using and see, I've done this so I can say this. I'm speaking to myself. Uh, well, now, now I've read all brothers or sisters so and so's books. I've read their books, but now I'm reading the lexicons and dictionaries. I've got more than fifty lexicons and dictionaries and that will not bring you to Christ the spirit of god can use that but that in and of itself will not bring you to Christ god the father alone by the work of his spirit else should i he's a person god is real is more real than what we see with our natural eye. And what the Spirit of God did in our heart to bring us under the person of Christ at new birth, He continues to do. Now to bring us not unto new birth. No, we've come. We've come to everything that the soul was ever created for. We've come to a person. But who knows this person? No man knoweth the Father but the Son, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. If we know the Lord Jesus Christ by any measure, it is not our knowing, but it is God's knowing. Who can take credit for what is not theirs? No man. No man. And so, <clears throat> in reading the Scriptures, for a born-again believer, for, for one who's born again, we can... we can. I've, I've heard it this way. You're either focused on you or you're focused on God. Well, as I stated, no, we are focused on us. We are we're, we're so focused on Ishmael, Us. You know, it's our fruit. Ishmael is our fruit. It's not God's fruit. Ishmael is our fruit. Ishmael, listen to this, Ishmael is our creation. It's not God's creation. I remember once I shared, Ishmael is our Frankenstein. That's our creation. Hey, it's walking, it's moving. It has no life. It's just a bunch of pieces all slapped together, sewed together, zipped together, welded together. It's not life. And see, I mean, I, I love, I love the response. We, we laugh, yes. We giggle, yes. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> it's true. I mean, we we look at something, whether it be our thought, our action, or someone else's thought or someone else's action, and we continue drawn to it. It's like driving down the highway. Some places now, you, I mean, it's a, it's a miracle if you don't wreck on the road. All these ads and signs and all this stuff, you just want to read everything. What about just trying to stay on the road and get to the destination you've been placed on? All we like sheep. That's what we do. And yet, God, in His tender mercy and ever-abounding grace, takes the initiative every time. Every time. Honor? Yes. Give honor to whom honor is due. El I? our God. Glory? Yes. Give glory unto him who deserves it. Praise? Yes. Give praise unto him who deserves it. I was thinking of this uh, example when we when we were driving up here, um, there was the lame man next to the pool. And see, he even explained it to Jesus. Jesus said, what do you want? Or do you want to be healed or something? I mean, Jesus had a conversation. Jesus had a conversation with this person. And the guy says, and the Lord knew he had been there a long time. He was lame. He had been there a long time. And I love the guy's response. It's basically, we'll see When the water stirred, I have no man. There's there's just no man that will bring me to where I need to come. There is no man. I have no man. That's confessing, with man it is impossible. There's no one here to help me. No one can help me. No one can bring me to what I need. And then the Lord. I mean... Here is one who is completely helpless, not hopeless, because the hope is standing right before him. The hope is in his midst, whether he recognizes it or not. And yet he confesses. He finally comes to where he can confess, I have no man. There is no man who can do what is needed. I love the Lord's response. Man completely powerless, and yet Almighty God, El I, in the presence of this one, extending what I call mercy. Mercy is when there is one who is completely powerless, and yet in the presence there is one who is all-powerful to change the situation, to change the condition, And please understand, our condition was literally changed at the moment of new birth. God hath done a perfect work at the moment of new birth. The condition of our soul was completely changed. If God does it, it is perfect in all its ways, in every manner. It's done. Perfect. Just as before we were born again, just as perfectly we had completely no, no life whatsoever. I mean, what can a dead person do? Nothing. Nothing. I like the example, you know. A dead person, hey, hey there, you need to be born again. Can't even respond. I mean, I might as well be talking to my pen. Lifeless. Hey, hey. You need to be born again. Do you need to go to church? Do you need to read the Bible more? I'm getting no response out of this. With man, it is impossible. John the Baptist said of Jesus, God is able to raise up stones, or excuse me, raise up sons from these stones. El should I. And see, John the Baptist didn't say God is able to give these stones life. No. He said God is able to raise up sons. If we are born again, we are born of the incorruptible seed. We are born of the resurrection himself, who Christ is. We are born from above. Oh, wow, I forgot to change glasses. Ta-da! Some of you are thinking, how dare he do that? Yeah, how dare I do that? (laughs) God forbid your attention be on a person except Christ himself. See, we can even hear from God. Yes, yes. I mean, when we're born again, to be born again, you have had to heard the Lord. Jesus said, there's coming a day, and it's upon us, when the dead that hear my voice shall live. Come out forth from their graves and live. That's the moment of new birth. You actually heard God, and you're born again. As believers, we can hear God. And that requires a miracle to hear Him. Oh yeah, once again, as perfectly, sorry, I lost it. I'll get back to that in a second. As perfectly as we had no life before we were born again, now that we are birthed, Birthed anew, born again, life is perfectly filling our soul, whether we recognize it or not. Whether we know it or not, whether we are aware of it or not, the Lord is in his temple, your soul. Whether we want to admit it or not, whether we believe it or not, think it or not, I mean, I know that in the Old Testament, the glory of God came, filled the house, and then kind of left, then came again, then kind of left. No, no, no. That's testimony. No, listen to this. Jesus himself said this, "...what God hath joined, no man." No man can separate. If God has done it, it's done eternally. You can't change it anymore. The ones who are born again cannot not be born again. Impossible. It's impossible. God has done it. It stands. The very first miracle. Uh, the wedding at Canaan. Jesus comes. Hey, they need water, or they they, they ran out of wine. She, the mother of Jesus. Hey. Tells the servants, do whatever he says to do. Here's the Lord. Get six water pots. Fill them completely full. Because they are completely full of nothing when they are brought to the Lord. They're brought to the Lord, and the Lord does what is impossible by and in nature to do. He creates was not there before it's a picture of new birth wine is a testimony of life life who Christ himself is what was filled with something before is now completely forever changed and filled with something altogether other how perfect is your salvation how perfect is the Lord in his temple to the full, to where it can't hold anymore. Filled, full, complete, perfect. And what God has joined, no man can separate. No man. No man. As I stated, if you're born again, there is nothing you can do to be not born again. Nothing. Because you didn't do it you had no power to be born again in the first place what gives us what makes us think now we have power to be not born again do you think you're god do we think we're l should i well sad to say we do we think we know what's best and we think we know that's it we think we think we know <clears throat> The Lord was speaking to Abram from before Genesis chapter 12. I'm on Genesis chapter 17 right now. Genesis chapter 17 is where the Lord makes himself known as El Shaddai unto Abram. The very first mention of El Shaddai in the Scriptures. And see, the Lord is speaking what he had already spoken before. A seed, an heir, an inheritance and though God is declaring to Abram reality, he's actually declaring to Abram Christ, is what he's doing. <clears throat> Abram, who has walked with God, who has been obedient and in type, been born again, been brought unto where God desired to bring him, has discovered whom God desired for him to discover himself. God wanted to make himself known to Abram. God did did not reveal himself to Abram in Ur. No, he appeared unto Abram in Ur. It's like new birth. God did not make himself known unto Abram in Haran. No, he talked to Abram, spoke to Abram in Haran. God made himself known in Canaan. Canaan is where the Lord is, where the Lord makes himself known. To me, Canaan is the soul. It's the inheritance of the seed the seed who fully and completely fills the land. And what is there to do? Discover the one who is eternally ever-present. And so, in Genesis chapter 17, the Lord is speaking to Abram. And Abram, as a man, like all of us, like mankind, God is saying, the seed, the heir, the one who will inherit. And Abram is looking at Ishmael. Yes. Yes. Abram could have said, I heard the Lord. I'm hearing the voice of God. And he would be completely true. He just does what we all do, has something less in view. But see, that doesn't change God's mind. It doesn't doesn't thwart God. He doesn't fall off the throne. God knows the truth, though man know not the truth. No man knoweth the Father but the Son, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. See, it doesn't matter what we know. Ultimately, it does not matter what we know. What matters is what God knows. And so the Lord continues declaring reality. God, the Father, continues declaring the one whom he sees, regardless of Abram, whether he is seeing the same one or not. And Abram has seen this one. Yes, the one who appeared to him is the Lord himself time and time and time again. And yet now the Lord is introducing himself as the Almighty. As the one whom we will come to know as not I, but Christ. And so now, a few years later, the Lord basically says it, no, not that one. But Isaac. Oh, praise God. Now the attention is being drawn to another. Isaac is born. What can Abram confess? Hey, look, Sarah and I, we finally, you know, finally did it, y'all. We did it. No, we didn't. There's no power in him to do anything, much less Sarah. Why she laughed. Who would have thought? <laughs> you know, Look at me. I'm so old. Pfft. Who would have thought out of this could come life? No ability to boast in anything except the Lord. Look at what the Lord hath done. And so they rejoice and it comes as a time cast out the bondwoman and her child. shall not be heir with my Isaac. And it's the mind of the Lord. Take that which is not the true seed out of sight because that which is not the true seed will never submit to what governs the house. Cannot submit to what governs the house. Cannot. Cannot. And since we're talking about What governs the house? What does govern the house of God? See, what governed the house of Abram is what governs the house of God. Abram, once again, a patriarch. The Lord stepping in, taking the initiative, bringing him out, not by any ability of Abram. When the Lord first appeared to Abram, hey, he was off in Ur of the Chaldees worshiping idols just like everybody else. But The Lord stepped in. and everything changed. So Abram who is serving the purpose of the Lord in his generation, Abram continuing in the appearing of the Lord, because that's this is this is like the the summation of the story of Abram. And Abram journeyed on and the Lord appeared. That's it. That's it. That's all he did. Abram journeyed. He continued on, and the Lord appeared. That's it. Well, he wasn't a preacher? No. Well, I don't know. He wasn't this great theologian? Well, no. I don't know. He walked in purpose. That's it. Well, I I thought it was about this and this and this. No, no. All this and this and this is to serve this purpose. I remember um, just sharing this recently, you know, with with those who will be ministers. I so say, we, we have the wrong concept of ministry. We think ministry is miracle, signs, and wonders, or having altar calls, or doing this or doing that. No, no. God, if the thing is of God, it is designed of God. It is without doubt designed of God to bring unto the purpose of His Son. See, I don't know my heart. I don't know your heart. God does, He searches the heart. And He does whatever is needed. To do what is truly needed. That's it. It's it's very plain and simple. Very plain and simple. And yet, we? Something less. But God doesn't. He did, God does not consider anything less. Now, Abram, or excuse me, Abraham, when he speaks to him, take now, Abraham, thy son, thine only. Well, what I God does not consider anything less. Though man considers something less, God does not. God knows his son, God knows the truth. See, we consider something less, and oh my God! I mean, it can be like, oh God, great, look, look at this, praise, Lord, you know, or it can be like, oh my God, help me, look, oh God, I'm a wretch. <laughs> That's considering something less. That is considering self. That is with, well, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Good, bad, indifferent. What we consider good, what we consider evil, what we consider indifferent, it doesn't matter. God does not consider anything below. He considers his son, who is risen. Take now thy son, thine only Isaac. That's all he considers. And so, yes, that time does come up. And, ah, see, Abram had come from that which is, listen to the way I say this, that which is not Christ, To the testimony of Christ. Because Isaac is a testimony of Christ. A true testimony. And Abram, I mean, it took a miracle of God to bring Abram's heart from that which is not unto that which is. A miracle. A miracle i mean it would be like someone well it would be like god telling either of the parents to say okay get rid of your firstborn because that's not it what i prayed for this you gave it to me you were speaking to my heart about this and the lord says get rid of it what hell should i With man, it is impossible. We could never do anything. And in fact, we literally do the impossible because it's not us doing. It is God doing in us. To will and to do for His, His good pleasure. We just think this is His good pleasure. There's no life in it. The Lord in His mercy leads us in paths of righteousness and wherein we find His very own life who is His Son. God keeps it real, though we would not. See, we can... I don't know if I mentioned this. I probably did. We can come to a message. We can come to a teaching. We can come to a doctrine We can come to a deeper life teaching, but we cannot come unto Christ His Son except the Father draw us. This is what God does in His mercy. Every time He takes the initiative doing what we could never do. Never! And we will eventually, in the tender mercy and ever-abounding grace of God, discover this just like Abram did. And from that moment onward declare, you know what? With man, with me, it's impossible really, but not with God. And our trust shifts from us to him by his spirit, by his ability, not ours, not ours. And so Abram now faced with a, with a situation to offer up what God promised or the testimony of what God promised. So I don't know what was going through Abram's heart at that time, but finally the Lord brought him to where, hey, else should I. God will raise him up. I mean, he's a testimony of the true, and there must be a true testimony throughout. God will raise him up. And it says it, I think it's like either Romans or Hebrews, you know knowing that God would raise him back again. So he goes on. Abram releases the testimony for the substance, for the greater. I mentioned Elijah and Elisha. Uh, Their little journey of them together. I I think it's... I can't even remember... 2 Kings chapter 2, maybe. Forgive me if if, if I didn't... uh, It's terrible. I've been sharing this with the students. Whatever chapter it is. (laughs) 2 Kings. And the whole thing there, and it's so... I mean, you'd have to look at it with a map that shows you the names and the places, and it's so significant. I mean, it is utterly significant. The whole journey begins in the land. The whole journey from coming from Elijah to Elisha begins in purpose. Throughout the whole journey, they never leave the land. No. They never leave purpose. Even when they jump on the other side of Jordan, it still belongs to Israel. They never leave the land. And Elijah speaks to Elisha, and he, and he says, "They came from what was it? somewhere. I'll, I'll have to look it up because I don't want to. I don't want to just say this wrong." Yeah, there it is. It is 2 Kings chapter 2. And it came to pass, verse 1, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. They began in the land. And see, each one of those terms is very significant. Each one of those places is very significant in this journey. And yet, here's Elijah telling Elisha, You know, why don't you stay here? The Lord has called me on. Why don't you stay here? I mean, there was one place. I think they came to Bethel, and I mean, the sons of the prophets come out. I mean, the the, the true prophets. These weren't the prophets of Baal. I mean, the the actual true prophets. They they came out. They acknowledged. uh, They acknowledged Elijah and Elisha, and they spoke to Elisha out of respect. Uh, one of the commentators said that it was too that elijah was too too great for them to address, so they addressed elisha. you know they honored Elijah, but they came to each one of these places, and Elijah says, "Hey, why don't you just stay here I'm going on and I believe it was only because the Spirit of God had done something in the heart of Elisha that his response was, listen to, listen to this response. I mean, he doesn't say, okay, well, whatever, or, hey, you no, know, I do want to follow you. No, no, he said, the Lord liveth and thy soul liveth. Thy soul liveth because the Lord liveth and I will not leave you. He did not say, I will not leave your message. And he did not say, I will not leave your teaching. And he did not say, I will not leave your doctrine. I will not leave you. And they go on to another place. And the same question is presented to Elisha. Stay here. Stay here among these. The same response. The Lord liveth, and thy soul liveth. I will not leave you. And then they go on. Come to another place. I beg you, stay here with these. There's good company here. You know, they are they are they're standing for the truth in the midst, in the midst, each one of these places was in Israel. Israel, Israel, the nation of Israel, the the whole kingdom of Israel, whom at the time was not following the Lord. This is right before they are led into captivity. This is before the captivity. They're going downhill. This is Israel going down, well, the nation of Israel going downhill, you know? And here are those in the midst declaring reality so that the heart may turn unto the Lord. And Elijah says, hey, why don't you stay with these guys? And Elisha's response is, the Lord. Liveth, and thy soul liveth, I will not leave you. The Lord, by His Spirit, goes to great lengths to prepare the ground of our heart to bring us to such a confession, to where we actually are in pursuit of a person. Because as I stated, we can come to a message. We can come to a teaching. We can come to a doctrine. But we cannot come to the person of Christ. We can embrace a teaching. We can embrace a message. And we can embrace a doctrine. But to embrace a person requires a miracle of God. Every time. Every time. And the Lord, he's not, I mean, Elijah doesn't say, okay, well, stay here, you're not going, or forget you. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He almost wants to see where our heart is, (laughs) you know, out of the abundance of the mouth, or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, just to kind of see what's in there. Or not to see what's in there, but to see what it is submitted to. Remember how I mentioned earlier Ishmael is not submitted unto that which governs the house. He can't. He's a wild man. The scriptures say he's a wild ass of a man. He can't submit unto that which governs the house of God. He can't. It's impossible. So, and what does govern the house of God? And in the Gospels, two different places. I'm thinking of Matthew and Luke. Two verses, two different passages in Luke. Jesus said, you know, no man lights a candle, puts it under a bushel, you know, hides it under a bed. No, no, no. he puts it on a candlestick so that those who are in the house, I think that's Matthew, and those who come into the house, I think that's Luke, may see the light of the house. And see, we think, oh, wow. And then we go on to where Jesus says, you are the light of the world, because that's where one of the passages goes to. And we see, I'm not it. But that's not what we say or what we think. And I, lo- I love the way, I mean, God really defines it in the book of Revelation chapter 1. John says, I heard the voice behind me, speaking to me. And by the Spirit of God, I turned to see the voice. And he says this, And I saw seven golden lampstands, seven golden candlesticks. All the candlestick is, is a testimony of Christ. That is what it is, is a testimony of Christ. And what does the testimony do? What is the testimony purposed to do? Direct unto a person. And in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I saw one as the Son of Man. That's it. That is what governs the house of God. That's it. It's not miracle signs and wonders. It's not doing this and that. It's not preaching, teaching, or whatever. It's not quote-unquote ministry as we would think. It's our heart being directed unto a person. Something that we cannot do. Something that requires... God Himself to do else should die. And so all these times with Elijah back to Elijah and Elisha. You can stay here, you know. Stay here with this teaching if you want. Stay here with this message if you want. Embrace it. Run with it. You know, run it to its fullest. It'll eventually be wormy because there's no life in it. Once you once you take it and make it, something and hold on to it, then it's no longer the person. It's devoid of life. You've divorced Christ from it. There's no life in it. There's no power in it now. Because it was never meant to be something in and of itself. It was meant to serve a greater purpose, Christ Himself. To bring into the person of Christ Himself. And I love this. As I stated... I believe that the Spirit of God had done something in the heart of Elisha to continue following a person. Remember, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. No man. Not then, not now, and not any time to come. And yet this is it. I I was kind of bummed when When the youth left this is this is the reason I was gonna have an example I was because I was talking to Noah and actually Noah brought some of this stuff up you know several weeks back he asked me a question but I was gonna just say hey Noah come here I was gonna see if he would come or not and if he came I would say there you have it that's what it's all about to come to a person it's very simple Paul says it this way the simplicity of Christ And we make it complex when we add something to Christ. Something plus Jesus does not equal Jesus. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It never does. But actually, uh, the question that kind of got my mind thinking, my heart thinking, uh, several Sundays ago, Noah asked me concerning a certain passage in the Scripture. I mean, it's like a short paragraph. He asked me, what does this mean? I've been reading it. And I can't. I think his words were something like, "I can't make heads or tails out of it, or I can't get anything out of it." What does it mean? So I read the passage, you know, and I respond with two verses. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they that testify of me, and you will not come to me that you may have what you are looking for. That was my response. When is it that we understand the Scriptures? When is it that we know what the Scriptures say? It's only when our hearts, by the tender mercy and ever-abounding grace of God and the work of the Spirit, are directed unto Christ himself then we understand the scripture then we know what it says because then it has served its purpose in our heart that's when we know we don't know what the scripture says when we finally figure it out connect all the dots and yes see here in this verse he was saying this and over here over here in the old testament it was saying the same thing boom boom and I'll draw the lines and hey let me diagram this real quick and I'm please listen these are diagrams but this isn't life These have to serve a purpose. And if they do not serve that purpose, they serve no purpose at all. Everything the Lord puts on my heart, if I do not present it to the Spirit of God, that He would use it to direct, prepare the ground of my heart, to direct the full attention of my heart, place it upon Christ His Son, then I am left with a shell of what is not life. I am left with a message or a teaching that has no power whatsoever. And see, that would be my message then. That would be my teaching then. Because the message and teaching and doctrine of man directs unto something less than Christ. The teaching of God. The message of God, the doctrine of God, brings unto his son. Jesus also said this. Therefore, well, he said it, said this after the following. He, he says, you know, it's written, They shall all be taught of God. I heard from the Lord. Oh, did you really? Yes, brother, let me tell you what I heard. Okay. They shall all be taught of God. Therefore, anyone who hath heard, first you've got to hear, heard and learned of the Father cometh to me. Have I heard? Have I actually learned from God? I have heard and I have learned from God when my heart is directed under Christ His Son and nothing less. Then God is the teacher, not man. God is, how shall I say, is recognized, is acknowledged Mm -hmm. as El Shaddai what man cannot do. God alone can do and desires to do. So I could go on and on with more passages here, but just considering considering the, the story with Elijah and Elisha, uh, the If we're comfortable with with some knowledge of the Lord that we've gained or some message or or doctrine or teaching, the the Lord, He's he's not going to force us to leave it. No, no, no. No, he, He, hey, that's fine. But His Spirit continues because God is ever merciful and gracious, preparing the ground of our heart, that our heart would come to where we finally can confess There's no man to bring me where I am purposed to come. And please understand for us who are born again, it is not in reality for we have come unto Christ in reality. What I'm speaking of is continuing now in the knowledge of him unto whom we have already come. It's a great difference. First reality than the knowledge of reality. Both require the miracle of God. No man can do this. It requires God and God alone. And so may the Spirit of God just continue doing that which only He can do to direct our hearts unto the person Himself, the risen Son, who is ever-present. Amen? Amen? Y'all happy? I'm happy. Y'all should be happy. I'm happy. So, Lord bless you You guys. Have a good day, and we'll see you again next time. Amen.